With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Sunday Night Fellowship on TalkShoe. Appreciate all you guys being there in the chat room. And um, Lord willing, we'll be in Luke Chapter 9, Part 2 tonight. How you doing, Brother Jason? Doing well, praise the Lord. Amen, brother. Amen. If you would, go ahead and open us in a word of prayer, brother. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together tonight in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we lift this program up to you. We ask that you bless it. Lord, and we ask that, that that your will be done and the truths that your truths that are that have been expounded upon in this program be spread far and wide. Yes, Lord. And we also pray, Lord, for those that would download this program, that your truths would touch their heart so that they would come to know you, Lord, and have a personal relationship with you. Yes, Lord, yes. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 
And Brother Jason, by the way, if that head, headache comes back, brother, just let me know, and and we'll just carry if you have to get off for any reason. Okay. okay. I appreciate that. Oh, Thank absolutely, you, absolutely, brother. Like I said, you're talking to somebody that understands that business about the head. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yep. So if anything, yeah. if you get feel that twinge start, just let me know, and you can go ahead and and take her in. Okay. Okie doke. Well, folks, I, like I said, I appreciate you guys being there tonight, and I really appreciate you showing up for Friday night's program with uh, with Brother Mark Sargent and the subject matter we talked about on Friday night. And uh, before the program started, I've, I'll put this in there for the downloaders, the, the program the, and the ones that aren't here tonight that were here Friday night, as as a few as for as as of a little while ago. The program that you were a part of the other night's been listened to over 1,300 times across the world, all right? And uh, like I mentioned the other night, this is something that's not going to go away. And I'm, I'm on the, it's not going to go away here for sure. Uh, Lord willing, I'm going to try to get, if I can get his telephone number or email or whatever, I'm going to have another guest on the program dealing with the same subject, and that will be Brother Rob Skiba. If I can get in touch with him this week, we'll have to wait and see, so I can't announce anything right now. But, um, Lord willing, I'm going to try to get him on this program as well. And um, one more thing before we get into Luke chapter 9. Another preacher, a weatherman, and a Navy man, he he is a Bible-believing preacher with a church, has came out on the same side. He is... He's got an honest heart and everything, and I just wanted to play what he had to say about this subject. It's about four minutes long. I want to pray. I'm pray. Excuse me. I want to play what he said about that subject, about the shape of the earth, the enclosed world, and um, thought it was very interesting. And he's got a large congregation following too. So I'm telling you, folks, this subject is not going to die. It's not going to die. Anyway, we'll play this, and then we will get right into Luke chapter nine. July 19th, 2015. Mark this day, guys. July 19th, 2015. Not only is this a day that we are going to go on the offense, that is those who believe in a flat earth or at least a non-spinning globe, but we're also going to issue a challenge to all of those who have tried to challenge us. We have done it. We have gone out and done our own easily provable and repeatable experiments. We have done what science says we should do. What have they done? They've depended, for the most part, on NASA pictures and mathematics and other things that they've had 500 years to perfect all the imperfections. And they've used gravity and fairy dust and little things like that. But show me something I can easily repeat. So I've come up with a challenge for all of those who believe in a global Earth. Now, what have we done? We have gone out with lasers and taken it for distance after distance after distance, measured it out, videotaped it, proven that the earth is flat. But people want to come up and say, oh, I don't know about laser light over water and stupid things like that. That's fine. So let's come up with something that everybody tells us to do, okay? We've proven it, and I'm going to come up with another way we can prove it even better this coming winter. But until then, I want to also announce that I've got a brand-new tool 
that I will be releasing sometime in the near future, which will help everybody, everybody who is on the side of true science, be able to take this message faster and farther than we ever dreamed possible. We are about to explode this thing. Stay tuned for this. But I'm asking you first to make this video global, if that's what it is, a globe. <laughs> Spread it as far and as wide as you can, because what we're going to do here is we're going to ask for proof. And I don't want it to be said that only a few people saw this, so that's why we didn't have the proof. Spread it far and wide all over all the lands, all over the earth, whether it's round or flat. Okay? Again, we've shown ships that supposedly disappeared on the horizon, and we zoomed in, and the ships all appear back once again. So what is the challenge? Here is the challenge for the global Earth people. So, do you want me to believe the Earth is a globe? Okay, then you must show me this. Otherwise, I'm going to stay on the offensive. I'm not your tutor, and I'm not getting paid to be your professor. Find a building and note its height. Move to a distance where the building would be 50% below the horizon. There are calculators online that easily can tell you how to do this. You can also ask anybody else who's argued about flat earth what that calculation is. So it should be easy to find the distance where any height of any building should be able to be calculated to be 50% below the horizon. Now, with a camera, just like we do, zoom in on the building and show that half of it is below the horizon. Then zoom out to show your distance from the building. Don't forget one little thing. The building should also show that it is tilted away from you as well. Now, surely one of you can do this experiment and prove to me that the Earth is a globe? Otherwise, it's time for global people to be quiet and let us prove our own science, okay? I'm staying on the offense. I'm not going to answer any more of your questions. I'm not going to entertain any more. If the Earth is flat, then show me how this, this, and this has to work. Uh-uh. We've done that. Aries failure has done that. I easily rather cheaply done experiment that can be repeated anytime. And guess what? No one ever comes up and shows that Aries failure was just that, a failure. So that proved that the Earth did not move. We have no contradicting evidence since then. It should be easily disproved and no one can do it. Okay, I just wanted to play that because there's another Christian brother that's getting all fired up about this subject. And some of you might wonder, well, why is this such a big deal? If you can't understand the spiritual implications of why it's a big deal, then you're not a strong Bible student. All right? Because if you tear down the first chapter in Genesis, the rest of the Bible can be tore down. That's the problem we've had over the last 150 years with people changing the position on what the book said and not sticking with what the book literally says about itself and about the earth. That's the problem. You tear down the first chapter, you tear and you can tear you can piecemeal tear it down in other places and that's exactly what has happened. And I as bad as like I said I hated to admit I was a part of that not willingly and not knowingly I was a part of that and me claiming to be a Bible believer. But anyway, enough of that for right now. We'll deal with this topic more tomorrow night. All right, Brother Jason, if you would, we started in, um, we left off in verse uh, 53, I think it was. But before we get hit verse 53, I want to revisit verse 23 
to verse 26 just uh, just one more time and make a few comments about about that. So if you would, start in verse 23 of Luke chapter 9 and um, read to verse 26. Okay. Uh, verse 23, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Let him him deny himself. I mentioned it the other night. I I dwelt on this quite a bit the other night. But I just want to reiterate again because I know how we are, people. We listen to stuff, especially important stuff like this. We may get, the Spirit may deal with us at the five, ten minutes and then the way we are, we got, we got so many other irons in the fire, and this world has such a hold on all of us in some way or another that it's pulled out of our mind, pulled out of our spirit. Now, if it hasn't been, and you've been dealing with this stuff, which um, if we all, we're honest, we ought to deal with this stuff on a daily basis, then I... then. You don't need for me to go over it again. But for those that done forgot about the things that were said the other night, needs to be gone over again because it's that important. I, tell, I mentioned the other night that everybody's got a cross to bear. It's different in the individuals. That cross is a typification of death. Like I said, the Apostle Paul said when speaking about the way he lived his life, I die daily. In John 10.10, Christ promises the abundant life. And you have the prosperity, or whatever you call them, prosperity preachers out there that stop with that. They don't explain what Christ is talking about. This is what he's talking about, the cross and the death part. Because to live the abundant life, you have to die. That's contrary to everything that's taught out there. That shows you how far away we've gotten from true biblical doctrine. The abundant life is about dying to self. These are not just little antiquated cliches. The one that created everything that we're in is the one that said this. This is red letters, isn't it, Brother Jason, like I said the other night? Amen. This is what he said. This is not a parable. (laughs) This is not an allegory. To live, you have to die to self. Break it down. What did you what did you put to death today in your life? What did you put from the last time that we talked about this last Sunday night? What have you died to self about? Have you increased the abundant life? Turn to John ten read John ten ten, brother, if you will. The Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10. And may I get this across. Brother Don? Yes? I got kind of a question. Cute. 
You know, he's telling people here to take up their cross daily before he ever died on one. Mm-hmm. That's right. I mean, it's just interesting. We see it as the cross because he's died on it, but mm-hmm. how did they perceive that before he died? Well, he knew he knows everything from the beginning, brother, and just he mentioned he mentions the cross mentioned the cross here, and they didn't have a clue clue what he was talking about. And like I mentioned the other night. And I've mentioned many times going through the Gospels, he tells them exactly what he's going to do. He's going to go be be um, condemned by the elders and priests, and they're going to kill him, and he's going to raise, he's going to rise the third day. He even tells them that. They don't get it that either. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, but it, this the way it just seems like there there may have been a meaning to that before he ever died on the cross. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, this is, see, another thing. While Brother Jason's turning there to John ten ten, this um, this is pre crucifixion too. He's tell this is this is pre Holy Spirit indwelling. This is pre resurrection stuff he's talking about right here. There's a lot to think about here, folks. Let a man take up his cross daily and follow me. Like I said, Paul expounds on this in his epistles. That's why his epistles are so very important because he breaks what he breaks Christ's sayings down into practical Christian living, and that's where a lot of them out there totally miss the boat when it comes to biblical doctrine. But go ahead, brother Jason, brother brother Kevin. You got anything else? No, no. I just thought that was strange. okay. Yeah, it is. It is. Brother Jason, if you would, read John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. (laughs) Do you see the paradox in what we're reading here? In Luke, and what Christ says in John. That you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. I die daily. All that stuff. Keep my body under, else at least myself become a castaway. I brought it up last program. There is something in your, especially the ones new to this program and new to, to, to true Bible doctrine, let's put it that way. You go, you can search, if you're a TV watcher, you can search the channels through and through. You're not going to hear this. Because it, it's not popular. It doesn't bring in money. It doesn't make the preacher that has to preach the truth be popular. Unless the ones on the other end are true lovers of the truth, are absolutely concerned about their daily walk, and want to please the one that died for them, see? Let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Verse 24, Brother Jason. Now that abundant life, like I said, he says, they that come to me, I, I come to give them life and give it more abundantly. And the prosperity preachers will take that. Oh, yeah, if you'll just do this. And you're supposed to have a yacht. And you're supposed to. And these guys, they have airplanes. They have all that stuff. 
It ain't got nothing to do with the Word of God. Nothing to do but deception. Fleecing the sheep. False with their wolves in sheep's clothing. False teachers. You wonder sometimes I know how the Lord can just be so patient and just set long-suffering and just let them keep on doing His people like that. You ever wonder why He does that? See, that's what makes atheists, folks. That's, that's what causes people to doubt the Word of God because they don't understand the depth and the meat of the Scriptures. They don't understand the personal walk. See, Christianity, folks, is not a religion. I get sick and tired of hearing people try to lump religion in with what Christ did. Religion's a dead-end street. The Word's only mentioned twice in the New Testament. Peter flippantly mentions it once, and James tells you what real religion is, and it's works-based because you're saved to visit the father, the, the fatherless and widows and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Period. Simple. You want to be religious? That's what you do. You don't go to church on Sunday and go in a building and sit around and sing a few hymns. That guy, that, that, that's all. That's a form. That's a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Is what and from Paul says, from such turn away. Second Timothy chapter three. Religion's out of the pits of hell. It's what it is. Christianity is a relationship with an individual, an indwelling Christ. A body of believers. And it, it was it was co-opted. It's been co-opted after 200 A.D. Basically, that's when it started in a big way. And I've told you guys that over and over and over again. That's why I very seldom will ever quote, mention, or dwell on anything after 200 A.D. Because I know what happened. I know church history. And if you don't know the true history, then you'll get caught up in the lies of false history. And that's what we're dealing with on our other programs, the timeline deception, the deceptible part of history and what's going on today and what what went on in the past, according to the Word of God. But the abundant life, the abundant life is to die daily. To live, you have to die. Simple. I'm not trying. See, he said, "Well, that's allegorical." No, Christ explains it. You have to die to self. In other words, to be on top, you got to get on the bottom. This is all so, so contrary to what's taught in the world. Everything else is get ahead, be the best, number one. All this stuff. Christ says to be the number one, you got to be last. To get up, you got to get down. To live, you got to die. See the opposites? See the opposites there? See, there's something in your life. You know it's wrong. God knows it's wrong. Got to kill it. 
Well, I try. You need to try again. You don't win, get the hope. It's, it's not a battle. You just win it one time. You win on increments and you get defeated sometimes. You have to get back up. It's like a soldier in battle. Like Paul says in 2 Timothy, in dear hardness is a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Once a person has their affection set on eternity, then they're more, they're more capable of dealing with day-to-day -day life on the Christian level. That's the only way it can be. That's the only way it can be done successfully. Is to set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth, and then deal with the daily problems occupied till he comes, according to the scriptures. Because the payoff is later. I'm not talking about eternal life. That's that's that that's got nothing to do with works. That's got nothing to do with good or bad. That was that the Lord took care of that with His blood at Calvary. That's got to do with the purging process and rewards and inheritance, position in the kingdom. That's what you're supposed to de be dealing with. And to deal with that, you can't be worried about all the worldly mess. You can't be concerned about life savings, all that junk. Folks, I've had it all. I've had the life savings. I've told you before. I've been I've been all wrapped up in the world. Yes, knowing what some of the stuff I know now. Yes, being a Christian, I saw what happened. I saw what it did. So don't don't even don't ever try to come at me. Well, if you had so and so, you wouldn't talk like that. No, I've had so and so, and yes, I'm talking like that. <laughs> One of these days, one of my brother from Columbus is over here. I'll let him get on and give you a little testimony. Do you think I'm making this stuff up? And it ain't got to do with me being great and wonderful. It's got to do with, in your life, you take, take the examples that I give you and turn around and look in your own life and apply it in your own life and do that. The Lord's giving you the overall example right now. Take up your cross daily and follow Him. What kind of cross you're dealing with? What have you died to today? What have you said no? What have you said no to? Did you? Can you skip a meal? That's just that's just one little bitty thing. To pray, could you do that? Have you done it? Just little bitty things to get to get to the top. You've got to get to the bottom. You've got to start at the bottom. To be a master, you must first learn to be a servant. To rule, you must first learn how to be obedient. See, the master and the king and the inheritance, all that, that comes in the future. And see, if you don't, if, if you might say you believe all that stuff, but it shows in your daily life whether you really do or not. 
before you're trying to apply it now in this three score and ten you're given to apply it to where it plays a part in eternity where there is no time later on. See, it's a lot more complicated than the than the Jews or the seed of Satan and we're all Israelites and we're fine. See, it's got a lot more to do. The book's got a lot more to do with life, our life, individually, than a lot of people are leading you to believe. Woe to their souls at the judgment seat of Christ is all I can say. Even if they make it there, if they're going to be there, that's a big if. By their fruits you shall know them. Next verse, brother. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth. Okay, that's okay. But that's what I wanted to, to verse 26. You ought to spend some time in prayer with those three verses, folks. With those three verses. And Romans 5 through 7, like I mentioned previously. They say, What's it, what, what are you telling me here, Lord? Is that old country preacher telling me the truth? See what the Holy Spirit will deal with you about. Ah, you might say, I ain't telling me none of this. That's fine. Hey, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. That's 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 wonderful for you. That if that's what you think, fine. You can you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. My job's just to give you the truth. My job's to pray and study and and get everything in order the way it's supposed to be from experience and from the Word of God, from forty-two years' experience, and from the Word of God, and give it to you. What you do with it's totally up to you. But see, you will have no excuse if I didn't know. The ignorance won't be, there won't be no ignorant part to it. Once you come to the truth, then you're, you're at a crossroads. You have to either attempt to do something about it or ignore it. You have two choices. That's the reason the Lord says, to whom much is given, much is required. You need to pray about that. Because the requirement thing, the dividends pay off in glory. When there is no time no more, when the kingdom's here, when all that stuff comes up on into eternity, that's when the dividends pay off for what you did here. And it's like Christ said, a man can gain the whole world. And what does it profit him if he gained the whole world? 
and lose his own soul. Let that, let that sink in. Then see how poor, important it is about your investment, investments in Wall Street tomorrow, see. Your stockbroker is the recording angel that deals with your life in the book of life. If you're Christ, your name's in the Lamb's book of life. But the book of life, that he's your stockbroker, your angel, you know. Like, you know, the woman thought that was Peter's angel standing sitting outside the door knocking on it in the book of Acts. And like the Lord said about that little one, their angel doth always appear before the Father. Yeah, you got one. That's your stockbroker in eternity. That's the one you need to be worried about. That's the one that should concern you. Because 5,000 years from now, that's the one. That's, that, that in those investments you made in the eternal stock, you're still going to be reaping dividends or either suffering loss. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Folks, you can't beat this with a stick biblically, okay? Down to verse, um, just start at verse 50, brother, and read on down till you get into where we're going to pick up with tonight. Just start at All verse right. 50. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. And it came to pass, when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. And they did not receive him, because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. In other words, he had his mind to get on with the business instead of staying around in Samaria. Go ahead, brother, verse 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even (laughs) as Elias did? These suckers, they don't even get it. Just like they didn't get earlier what he said, and they hadn't been getting it. Their eyes are shut to a lot of this stuff that's taking place. They get it later, but not now. They're wanting to kill all these. They think the Samaritans done a bad thing. No, the Lord's mind was set to go on to Jerusalem. But he thought, but the others thought that the Samaritans was against the Lord. That's not, and they, they wasn't. Go ahead, brother. Verse 55. But he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. <laughs> For the Son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. Okay, there's some good lessons to learn right here, folks. And it ties right into what we started this program off 
with back up in verse 23 through 26. See if you understand what the Lord's saying here. See if you can get what he's saying. Go ahead, brother. And Jesus, yeah. Go ahead. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds are, excuse me, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Okay. Says, man, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere, wheresoever thou goest. The Lord said, Really? I ain't got a place to lay my head. But the foxes and the birds do, but I don't. Real Christians that live the crucified life, that die daily, that carry their cross, it's not a happy road because like I've been telling you for over two years, the Christian life is about suffering. Suffering here to be glorified over there. Laying up treasures up there, not here. Deny yourself here, reward it up there. Totally opposite from what the world teaches. The world teaches, says you lay it up here, get it all here, and then you die and you go on. You leave it to your kids. That's not what the Lord said. That's not the true Christian life. So the Lord's laying some, he said, okay, guy, ain't got nowhere to lay my head. You really want to follow me? Verse 59, brother. And he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Okay, now here's one that says, here's the Lord said, tells this guy, come on, follow me. To take it a little bit deeper, the Holy Spirit said, come on, come on. Come, come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light, the Lord says in, in, in the book of John. Here he says, follow me to this man. And this man, excuses, are he saying, deny my, to die and deny yourself. Take up your cross. Die daily. And the excuses come in. When I was saying that stuff earlier, I can I know the bells were ringing of excuses. In other words, I know how the human mind works. I know that schizophrenic Christian life, that split spirit, that split kind of split personality, where it's according to how much you know the book and how much you love the Lord, of how which which side's the most powerful it deals with you. If you're worldly and ain't worth the powder and shot take you to blow blow you to hell, then that then if you even hear a whisper from the spirit, you're fortunate. You're fortunate if you fall into that category. But if you've been making an honest attempt with the inward man to do these things, then the spirit will talk to you and deal with you. Say, see this, this is something in your life and he's dealing with. And then there come then comes in the battle, see? 
Then comes the daily walk. Then then you got to put up or shut up, you know. Then you got to look for ways to do what you're supposed to do. Through prayer and application. It's not something woo-woo that happens and falls out of the air. It's the Spirit of God that dwells in you that leads and guides and directs. But you have to go along with that leading and guiding and directing or else it's like two people pulling two different directions like Romans 7 talks about. Like the Apostle Paul lays out so beautifully. When I would do good, evil is present with me. I find then in my members a law that when I do would do good, evil is present with me. You, I'm not making this stuff up, folks. Continue on with what the Lord said here, brother. And Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou, go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Okay, give them joy. Let them don't no excuses. Not uh, not that my bro, my uh, aunt or uncle might think bad about me if I do that. Or what would my can folks think if I said the earth, I'm just just using this for an illustration, folks. If I said the earth was flat and gave them proof that it was, what would they think about me? What would my constituents think about me? Well, it's a Bible truth. Or is that just one of the Bible truths that you won't talk about to make sure your salary stays the same and your friend level stays the same and the peer pressure doesn't come in like a flood? See? See, the Lord's got your number. I don't care which direction you've got to come from. You come from the racial direction. You come from this. If you are the Lord's, He's got your number. He's going to call your hand. You are going to have to make decisions on things. You will have to either shine or get under a basket. One of the two. And you get under the basket, you're through. Your history, you're through. And darkness will prevail. Look around you. Look at your nation. Look at your people. Look at your state. What condition are they in? Why are they that way? Because they compromised. Evil can only prosper, folks, when good men do nothing. Christ said, let your light so shine among men. Don't keep your candle. You don't take a candle, stick it under a basket. And contrary to what some folks think out there, you can't pick and choose. Not and obey the Spirit of God because He's going to get you to do the one that hurts you, that quote-unquote kicks you in the teeth the worst. That's what the Spirit of God's going to do. He, got, he knows your number. He knows where your weaknesses are. He knows what you're holding on to, and that's where he, what he's coming after. He's not going to come after something that's not going to cost you. 
<laughs> Don't work that way. Oh, you can have this, Lord. You can have that, Lord. I'm laying this at the altar. I'm laying that. But not this, Lord. No, 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 no. Don't uncover this. No, no. I'm oh, no, no. I can't do that. See, sacrifice means exactly what it says and says what it means. Sacrifice is sacrifice. That means it hurts. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you a paycheck. It's going to cost you a little bit more this month than it did last month. It's going to cost you here in this part of your life. It's going to cost you a friend. It's going to cost you a member of your family. It's going to cost this. It's going to cost what people think about you. The Lord knows which one you idolize the most, and that's what he's going to go after. One by one. And until you put it up, put those things one by one on the altar and get rid of them, he's going to stay after them until he gets tired of dealing with you. Then he's going to put you on a shelf in your history. Period. Period. That's what Paul was worried about, that he himself might become a castaway. And the Lord mentioned castaway earlier in this chapter. And I told you it was only mentioned twice, once by the Lord, once by Paul. He's, he's going to come after what your idol is. Money, fame, friends, looks. It, it could be anything. The Lord knows your heart. See, man looks on the outward appearance. Folks, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Luke 16, and chapter 16 and verse 15, the Lord's going to tell you that. He's going to say, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. For that which is highly esteemed, get this, get this. Just turn over there, Brother Jason, while I'm talking. Luke 16, verse 15. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Now, you fill in the blank. What does men think a lot? What does the world system think a lot of? Does the world system think highly of this? Then it's an abomination to God. Does the majority think highly about this? Then it's an abomination to God. See, he's counter-world. He's counter-system. He's counter-roll with the flow. I've been telling you this for over two years now. Just read it. Brother, so they'll know I didn't pull it out of my hat. You Luke said 16, Luke 16, 15. Luke 16, 15. <clears throat> Luke chapter 16, said, verse 15. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts, for that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Do you justify yourself before me? Of course you do. I've done it. You go along to get along. You make excuses. Now, folks, don't wait. I'm, let, me, let me qualify what I'm saying. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you go out of your way to raise hell. That's not what I'm saying. Because if you're walking the straight and narrow, you ain't got to walk far. It will hit you in the face. 
You don't go out of your way and cause trouble. That's not what I'm saying. Don't even think that that's what I'm saying, because I'm not. Ye are they that justify yourselves before men. But God knows your heart, see? He knows where those idols are. And he'll pull at them. And he'll say, there's the altar. <laughs> I want that sacrifice on the altar. I want you to die. I want you to take that cross and lay it here. I want you to die daily. I want you to put it there. Then we'll deal with something else. See, that's the purging. What do you think I mean when I say purging process? Huh? What do you think I'm talking about? Where Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, if a man will purge himself of these things, all that wood and that stubble and that hay and those bad stuff, if a purge himself, purge himself of these things, then he'll be a vessel unto honor. What do you think I'm talking about now, folks? Think I'm just talking to, just to hear myself talk? I'm telling you the truth. I don't care if you put if you've hid those idols for sixty years. The Lord wants them on the altar. And your rightful place with him will never be there till you they do go on the altar. What about if you die? Yeah, what about if you die? What's going to happen in eternity? That's right. That's what I've been warning you about. Paul puts it this way. Godliness is not only profitable in the life which now is, but also in the life which is to come, see? That godliness, this is all part of godliness. Godlikeness, sacrifice, sacrificial living, sacrificial life, being last to be first, being a servant to be the master, see? Or as Paul says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech, I beg you, brethren, I beg you, therefore, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, present your bodies a living sacrifice. See, that's not allegory, folks. He's using this terminology to get the point of the crucified life across to you. I quote these verses all the time, and it's not that I'm just doing it ad nauseum and being redundant. It's because they're that important. Once you get this vocabulary down in your spirit and in your mind, when those decisions come up, the spirit can speak to you more plainly, and you can make those choices more, more righteously, righteous judgment in your own life, and also in the life of others. It's the mercy of the Father to give you the opportunity to sacrifice in this life. It's a mercy that the Father grants because He wants you. It's no different than a father here on this earth, a, a good father that lets you bump your head, scuff your knees, fall on your face in the learning process 
and wants to see you do good in life with your, I'm just using this as a, as a type, the heavenly father is just like an earthly father in a way. Your earthly father wants you to have your family to be fine, everything to be good, good job, all that stuff. Same with the heavenly father, folks, except it's not about worldly things, see? It's about the other. It's about the eternal life. You can't have them both. You cannot have them both. No matter how hard you try and think you can, it does not work. Or as the Lord says, you can't serve God and mammon. Because you'll either love one and hate the other, or hate one and love the other. You see, it does not work. The Scriptures throughout tell you this. And it's almost an unheard of message in Christianity today. And look at the condition we're in as a people. Oh, Brother John, Brother Paul just slams it home different ways. The Lord comes and lays it out, and then Paul comes and bumps you upside the head with it. And then uh, Brother John comes, and he does the same thing. And James, old stoic, James even throws it in there about being unspotted from the world. Every witness you could possibly imagine denied at your own eternal peril. I don't care if you've done such and such, like I said, all of your life. You've come, hey, the Lord lets you slide. His mercy. The truth's the truth now. Too much is given, much is required. Time to get out the old tools and start working on those things, folks. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, H-O-L-Y, acceptable unto God, and it's only, and just like Paul, it's your reasonable service. Reasonable. That's not even going above and beyond. See? That's daily stuff. That's the reason Christ said daily. That's the reason Paul says daily. To be able to lay down at night with a clear conscience and everything confessed under the blood and know that you've actually, really and truly done your best for Him. And see, your best for Him is not the way the world would look at it. It's the way the Word of God expresses it and what the Word of God says. The simplest things. The simplest things to some folks to do are some of the hardest for others to do. For some folks, giving is no problem at all. For others, it's like they're, they're worse than Jews. That's just a simple thing. Like I said, Lord knows where your heart's at. Lord knows where the idols is at. <laughs> and through the Spirit, the Lord tells His messengers 
We're to knock at those idols at. That's what that's Bible preaching, see? That's that's real Bible preaching and real Bible teaching. That's not that one, two, three laid out dogma that all the churches put forth. Why do you think they hated Jeremiah? Why do you think Jeremiah Jeremiah and Isaiah and those prophets had such a hard time? Why do you think they hated Paul? Paul told the have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth. And that's the way the Spirit of God works in his kids. Different callings for different members of the body. But his, pre- his real preachers knows where to knock down those idols. Through the Spirit. Not because of the, anything of their own mind or their own desires or their own imaginations. It's through the Spirit of God. And if it's accepted like that, then you progress and you grow. And we're not supposed to do spite to the Spirit of God. We're supposed to grieve not the Spirit. We're supposed to attempt to build on those things that the Spirit points out that we need to. That's what it says in John 14. He will convict of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. That's one of his jobs. To point out those idols. See, I know the idols are there. <laughs> I can go and look in the mirror and I can pick out the Spirit of God will go slamming at the ones that are in my life that's left. I found that this is just my opinion here now, all right? I'm fixing to just give you my experience and my opinion on this one. Maybe different in your life. Maybe this is what you need to hear. I don't know. I'm just saying it's my opinion. The best, the way I deal with that stuff in my own life, when the Lord took me off the shelf and put me back into the ministry, when I, when I got things right and put me back into the ministry, Got me out of that that deceptive circle about the Jew and all that stuff and put me back into the ministry. When those things came up, I just just laughed, would just laugh and throw them on the altar and keep on walking. Now I'm speaking metaphorically about that, okay? Throw them on the altar and keep on walking because, listen, they ain't doing nothing but weighting you down, holding you down. They're holding down your purging process. They're holding down your rewards and your inheritance. They're holding it all down. To hell with them. Throw them away. What good are they going to be 500 years from now that you're holding on to now? Hey, you want to leave it here for the blue gums and the Jews to spend if it's money? Do you think somebody's going to write something in stone about how wonderful you were if it's a reputation you're holding on to? You think the Lord gives a flying flip what anybody thinks about you? He cares about what He thinks about you and what His commands are for you to do. The fear of man bringeth a snare, folks. And that snare becomes an idol in your life. 
Or as Solomon says, it's one of the little foxes that spoils the vine. That's what he talks about in the Song of Solomon. The little foxes that spoil the vine. You part of the vine? The Israelite? You're a saved body of Christ Christian. Those little foxes will spoil the vine. Got to get rid of them. Got to put them on the altar and walk away from them. Well, it'll hurt. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it will. I don't make no bones about that. Of course it will. Because you've been used to them for so long. You're happy with them. You pet them. You know, you like them. Because you don't have to deal. It's just, they're, they're just covered up, you know. You don't have to deal with all that problems, problems, all that. No, no. Say, get it on. Get rid of it. Start getting rid of whatever it is. Take that step, and the Lord will give you light to take that next step, like I've been telling you for over two years. And until you do that, and I've heard testimony after testimony from folks how they obey, they did that because that's what the book says. Take that, get, take that step. Go ahead and do it. You know what it is. And the Spirit of God's telling you right now what it is. Do it. Get rid of it. Surrender. You have to die to live. You have to be last in line to be first. And to be a master in eternity, you have to be a servant here. How much plainer? How much plainer can it get? Next verse in chapter 9, brother. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And that's true. You can't have your cake and eat it too, folks. I get so sick and tired of hearing some of my brothers out there try to make excuses for quote-unquote worldly Christians. Oh, they've built up doctrines out there to take care of the, of the world lovers. There are no doctrines in the Word of God that takes care of world lovers. Paul makes that plain about Demas. Demas, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. You can't love it. You can use the world. You have to live in the world. But you can't set up idols from the world in your life. Whether they be physical or metaphysical, can't be done. Not and be, not and be, not and be the Lord's. Not and obey Him. 
He won't have it. He's a jealous God. What does it say? Thou shalt have no other gods before me, all you lawyers. I bet the Holy Spirit can just take you and point to little G God after little G God. What is it? Music? Money? Women? Alcohol? Dope? Sex? Television? What, what is it? What is it? Family? Automobiles? Your intellect? Reputation? What is it? The Lord's just about covered the whole gamut right here. You're not worthy of the kingdom of God looking back. Verse 61, brother. Sixty-one, and another also said, "I will follow thee." You broke. You broken up, brother. Start again. And another also said, "Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them for farewell, which are at my at home at my house." See, he's covering the whole gamut, folks. He's covering the, there. There. There are no excuses. He's he not leaving none, no, no stone uncovered. Always, I'll serve you, Lord, but that disjunctive conjunction. But first, Lord, I'll serve you, Lord, as long as I get to do this. I'll serve you, Lord long as I have my family's fine and they're all together and everybody's married and happy and got a good job. I'll serve you, Lord, as long as that's... A... See what I'm saying, folks? It's not about this life. If it's all about this life, there won't be no other life. And if it's all about the other life, there won't be no this life. You understand how simple that is? And do you understand how foreign that is to our people out there today in this secular, humanistic, God-forsaken, politically correct, divinity void? I could just keep on and on and on. That's why we are in the condition we're in today. It's not about what somebody else has done to us. It's about what we hadn't done for the Lord as a people, as a nation. It's about what we refuse to do for Him. It's not about what others have done for us, done to us. No, 
See, we, if, you, you, if you fall into that bunch that wants to point the finger all the time, get the hell away from this program. This teaching's not for you. Because that was the very thing that kicked it all off to begin with, is the blame game. Don't believe me? Go back and read Genesis 3. think I'm making it up. There's nothing new under the sun, folks. The Lord wouldn't have none of it then, and guess what? He sure ain't going to have none of it now that his sons died for your sins. That blaming stuff has been it, it, like it ain't nothing you understand. He blamed Adam, and Adam turned. Adam blamed the devil, and the devil would have blamed somebody, but there wasn't nobody else to blame, so he cut the mud. That sounds funny. That he he. That's a funny little joke, isn't it? No, it's the God honest truth. No different today. With all the blamers, mirror says it all. Get in front of it. There's your problem. Each individual got and pointed at the mirror and started doing something about that one end of, one step at a time, one person at a time. It it would all change. And another also said, Lord. I will follow thee, but, <laughs> first, but, let me first go bid farewell. Bow with bid, bid them farewell. Which are at, at my house. That's my family, Lord. Surely to goodness you'll let me deal with them. Surely I can tell them bye-bye. Verse 62, Brother Jason, and we'll close for tonight. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. And then that's out, that's in, is that in red letters? Yes, sir. Brother Jason, that is, that's straight out of the mouth of the Father, manifest in the flesh. What are you going to do with it, huh? Say, say, is an allegory of these two mean? What does he mean here? He means what he says. That's what he means. Well, I'm too old. I'm too set in my ways, and I'm just going to continue. Yep. Therefore, knowing the terror, Paul says in the book of Hebrews, we persuade man. Do you know what terror is? Well, he says it in Second Corinthians as well. Turn to Second Corinthians chapter five, brother Jason. Read verse ten. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse ten. Folks, I'm. I don't know where some of you folks has gotten that the judgment seat of Christ is going to be this happy. Fun-loving, everything's wonderful 
place. See, I know where you. I know what a lot of people think. I know human nature. Yeah, but eventually everything will be all right. Well, I may have to put. I may uh, at least I'll be there. Is that right? Is that right? Brother Jason Reed, burst in. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Thank you, brother. Do you know... Do, do you know what the terror of the Lord coming from an infinite, immortal, knows no time bearers, knows no nothing, that I am, that I am, the Alpha and the Omega, do you, can you fathom, can you even get a tiny grip on what that word terror from him is? Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, brother. Go down to verse 11 and start reading again. Let's read about the same. Paul's talking to the Corinthians again. This is the first time he brings it up to them. The second time he was in 2 Corinthians. Now let's see. He's going to talk about the same thing. Same thing. And what he said to them the first go around. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Just start at verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Okay, I want you to stop there just for a second. It's going to be revealed by fire. Is that what he says, Brother Jason? Revealed by fire. Uh, Debbie, when's the last time you folks um, lit a match and stuck your finger on top of it? And don't even try to come to me with all this. Oh, that's allegorical. Don't, don't even, don't even try that with me. Because he backs it up with burned in just a few seconds. Okay. So with this real fire, because it's got, it's going to be burned. Got that? Keep on reading, brother. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Okay, those rewards has everything to do with eternity. Now, if the rewards have everything to do with eternity, what's what comes next? Go ahead. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Stop. But suffer loss. Burned. The fire is not allegorical, folks. It's not clear and plain exactly how it's going to work out now. But you know there's flame involved. What you've done is involved. Rewards are involved. And what you and what you did do that wouldn't worth a flip is going to get burned up. And then there's 
suffering loss. Now, that suffering loss, if the rewards are eternal, hmm, therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5:10, with the same, talking about the same event. He's just trying. You know, I, I hate to. I, I, excuse me. I apologize for imitating that 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 flaming. Well, that other person. So I won't do it. I'm just gonna stop and calm down, just to say, because I know who's being led down Primrose Path, and it just it literally burns me up that people would listen to that hogwash. But anyway, suffering loss. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord. In Revelations, he talks about seeing the sh- your shame of your nakedness. Got something to do with clothes. He shall suffer loss. Read the very next part of the phrase, the sentence, brother. It says, but he himself shall be saved. Go ahead, read that part. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as. Now flip over to Revelation chapter 3, drop down to verse 11, start reading there. Folks, this is serious stuff. All that stuff that we've talked about tonight, all this being last to be first, all this getting rid of idols in your life, all this stuff. We're not talking about salvation. This got nothing to do with your salvation. Got jack squat to do with nothing. This has got to do with life in eternity, life on the other side. Like Paul said, your godliness here not only does you good here, but also in the life which is to come. See, every bit of this is contextually perfect. In other words, there's nothing out of context. Everything is spot on. Start reading there where he talks about the the uh, the last, the very last body of believers. In this period of his, in these, in this age that we're in now, brother, the Laodicean church. See what he says about it. Start reading verse eleven. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Is that Revelation chapter three, verse eleven? This is Revelation chapter 3, verse 11. Well, and a, they, verse 14 goes into Laodicea. Okay, that's where I apologize. I apologize. Okay. Verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. Okay, just stop. Let me break this down. You're neither cold nor hot. You're just comfortable. And, folks, I don't care if you're on Social Security, if you're on welfare, or in an apartment. This guy, you are rich. So don't try to throw it off that he's talking about somebody else. See, that's what people have this hard time, especially our people today. You think the Word of God's talking about somebody else, see? You'll, you'll try to make it be, well, that's talking about him over there. That's talking about them over there. Well, I don't do that. See, no, it's talking to Y-O-U. 
That's the way you accept that you understand the book. The Spirit of God will speak to you through His words. It's talking to you, not a bunch of somebody in some other age or something. It's talking to you. Continue reading, brother. I would thou wert cold or hot. Okay, he he says I know your works. Not you're neither cold nor hot. In other words, you're neither. You hadn't. You're not out there in the bar, totally wiped out, drunk right now. Or at least you've professed to be a Christian. You're not denying. You're not taking the atheistic position. That would be the cold. But. You're neither hot either. You're not stripping idols out of your life. You're not giving like you're supposed to, according to what God wants you to do. You're not taking care of the brethren. You're not doing what you're commanded to do. You, oh, well, I did this. So you, so you're in the middle, see? You've you have taken a deep breath and decided that well I'm in so this life is all that matters to me now. What have you done lately that upset your quote unquote life that is now? Answer: I'm ninety nine percent positive is going to be nothing. Therefore. You're neither cold nor hot. That's not my opinion. That's the Spirit of God's opinion. Speaking to a group, which we're in that group. It's speaking to Don Spears. That's the way I list, that's the way I read this. It's slapping me upside the face. It's kicking my rear end. It's it's stabbing my heart. It's ripping out my guts. A sculptor can't sculpt you unless he can take the hammer and chisel and put it on the stone and chip away. You see what I mean? That's the reason he's talking to Y-O-U. If you're his, if the Spirit of God dwells in you. Verse 16, brother. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You say, folks, it, it, you say, oh, I ain't never said, I had never said that I had no need of nothing. I had never said, that, yes, you have, you've said it by your actions. You've said it by your fruit. You say it in your daily life. You say it in the way you approach the book. You say it in the way you approach the brethren. You, by their works, by their fruits, you'll know the tree, folks. That's, no, that's not a stretch. That's what the book says. 
No. You didn't say that. The Spirit of God said it to you. And then he tells you what you are. And I am miserable, wretched, poor, blind. Naked. Verse 18, brother. Now let's see what the Lord's trying to tell us we need to do. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed. Won't you stop right there? That thou mayest be clothed. Clothed. Remember that back in... Chapter 3 of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, and that knowing the terror of the Lord in 2 Corinthians, talking about the very same thing, the judgment seat of Christ. And here he's talking about, buy of me gold tried in the fire. Remember that fire we talked about in 1 Corinthians 3? That's going to try every man's work, whether it be good or bad. Remember how the bad stuff is burned with that fire? And remember it said, you'll be saved, but you'll suffer loss. And here it talks about clothing. And from the comma of clothed onward it says, and that the shame of thy nakedness doth not appear. How would you like to walk around in the kingdom naked as a blue jay, naked as a jaybird. See, that's funny, isn't it? You think that's funny? Now, and you can't comprehend looking from an eternal perspective on this, can you? Have you even stopped to think about that when it comes to throw it to putting this world secondary and third? And the world thinks. See, a lot of people, when they see the world, they think CNN, Fox, they think Wall Street. Folks, the world for for you individually can just be, could, could be anything. What is your world? You're supposed to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. What is your world? If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. What are those things in the world? See, in your world, whatever is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. How do I know? Son? How do I know about? I, is that see anything that's prideful? That's an idol. Anything that the flesh goes over to please itself, other than necessity, is an idol. The things you look at that cause bad imaginations and thoughts in your mind, that's an idol. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. The very three temptations that that the devil tempted our Lord with on the Mount Temptation. All three had to do with those three basic elements. Those three basic elements are your world no matter whether you live in the city or you live in the backside of a bayou in Louisiana. That's your world. See, getting away from New York and the big city lights uh, and San Francisco or somewhere like that or Dallas, that, that, that don't mean not squat. Because you, the world is in your heart. 
of one sort or another. Because that's where the idols are. That's where the little foxes that spoil the vines are. That's what's going to cause some of us to suffer a lot of loss at the judgment seat of Christ. That's what, and that and that loss is on the other side after the the eternal breath has been taken. Just keep that stuff in mind, folks. When I'm screaming and ranting and raving about this stuff that you ain't ever heard before, well, you have now. You ought to read about old Polycarp and Ignatius. You ought to read about what they did, how they disassociated themselves from the world. I'm talking about our first century church fathers, what I'm talking about, see. You ought to read about Tertullian, Irenaeus, Hippolytus. You ought to read about some of them. You ought to check them out. See, you, you, some of y'all folks are afraid, too. You know why? You know why you're afraid to? Because you're sad. Oh, we've grown. We've expanded. We're evolved or something. We, we've gotten better. We're modern. Your lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are no different than the Apostle Paul's were. They're no different than the Apostle John's were. Your lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life are exactly the same. There's no temptation to see taking you, but such as is common to man. They're just the same as Solomon's were and David's, and Isaiah's, and Jeremiah's, and Noah's, and Ham's, and Japheth's, and Shem's, and Abraham's, and Joseph, and Isaac, and Joshua, and Caleb. See? See, you won't make the book personal for you. You don't know it well enough to make it personal. So you're going to be part of the kingdom. Continue reading verse 18, brother, and start at verse 18 and read on down through verse 20 in Revelation. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Okay. As many as he loves, he rebukes and chastens. Each one of you, under the sound of my voice and the downloaders, check out your own life. Think about your own life now, what I'm fixing to say right now, and I definitely am fixing to close. As many... Do what? I'm sorry I interrupted. As much... As many as I love. Is this, what the, this is, is, is this red letters or not, Brother Jason? Yes, sir. Okay. As many as I love. What does he do? He rebukes and chastens. How does he rebuke and chasten? Things in your life and through the Word of God. Preaching of the Word of God. Setting under the Word of God. That's a rebuke. The chastening is individual. That's in your life. And you can know 
if you're being chastened, if what's happening in your life, everything lovely, everything going fine, I'd be concerned. I've, I've been, I've been saying, I've been saying, this is not my opinion, because it's whosoever he loves, he rebukes and he chastens. Then he tells you, be zealous, therefore, and repent. Get it right. Strip those idols. Die daily. Pick up the cross. Separate yourself from the world. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. He gives you the invitation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in unto him and sup with him and he with me. Turn real quick, Brother Jason, Hebrews 12. Start reading at verse 6. Hebrews 12, 6, about this rebuking and chastening. You won't find one teacher or preacher out of 10,000 that will put these scriptures together like this and show you what I'm fixing to show you, folks. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. I want you to read that one more time, and I want you folks to listen to every word he says. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth. That's two different types of punishment. The chastening part and the scourging part, that's two severities. One one is one type, the other is more severe. One scourge, scourging is a bad deal. The regular chasing will come in with the rebuke. Small things. Read it one more time, brother. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. That's every son. There is no outs. There's not some he does, some he don't. Every son whom he receives. He's going to make that very poignant and plain in the very next part of the verse. And this is this is deadly serious, folks. Continue reading, brother. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. Now watch what he says. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? He's fixing to tell you. Go ahead. But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers... Who are, who's partakers of this stuff, Brother Jason? All. All. Okay, go ahead. Then ye are bastards and not sons. Yeah, I don't see how I can get any plainer than that. That's why I was tell, telling you it's deadly serious. And you want to live the life of Riley and everything be smart. Well, one, and you want to separate yourself out and you don't want no, to cause no ripples and, and you don't want to rock the boat and you don't want to be different and you don't want to divide yourself from the others and you don't want to separate yourself from the others and stand out like a sore thumb and you don't want to take this stuff. Huh? Huh? And you wonder why people's in the shape they are today. And you wonder why those big mega churches are full, don't you? You think that for one second 
that anybody out there would stand for this type of preaching and teaching. Because they, they're great. Hey, Believe it or not, I know folks that gravitate. I know children of God that gravitate to this. Why? Because this is the way it was supposed to be. This is the way it was right after the Lord was resurrected. This is the way it was from John right down through the time when they started getting caught up in the world. And I don't give a tinker's damn who tries to tell you any different because they're liars and they will be found liars. That goes for your brother, your mother, and your daddy. And your wife, too, as far as that goes. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Father, for this book. I thank you for the Spirit, which shows us the problems in our life, Lord, convicts us of sin in our life and of righteousness and of judgment to come. I thank you, Holy Father, that we're breathing air today and we have food to eat, clothes on our back. You've given us another opportunity to build on that foundation, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We build on that foundation for the the real future, for eternal life and what we do in that eternal life, and for the kingdom. I thank you so much, Father, for the chastening and scourging through the years. I thank you so much for every time that you've reached into a wound and and mashed it just a little bit harder. In my own life, I thank you so much for that. That's the only realization that a child living by faith the only real assurance of our sonship is not only the book, but the physical realization that you love us enough to chasten and scourge us. And we thank you for it, Lord. Father, I pray that you would take the Spirit and on an individual basis, each and every one that hears this message tonight, Deal with them in the areas of their life that needs to be dealt with, Father, in a way to where it will be unmistakable. Where it will be unmistakable in their minds and in their spirits, Father, to where you will be the one that gets all the honor and the glory out of every bit of it in the end. And, Father, for those that have not a clue about anything that's been said, I pray that the Spirit of God would convict right now, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 10, that the word is nigh them even in their mouth. That's the word of faith which we preach. That if they shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I thank you for those simple terms, Lord, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
We thank you for this book. I pray that you take the downloaders. I pray the same thing for them. I pray that they would that any individual would be miserable. Their life would be turned upside down till they reconcile their life and spirit with you. Whether it be whether it be as a son. under obedient training or whether it be a newborn child coming in. I love you, Lord God. We want to see you soon. And Father, I pray if anything's coming, you promised that you'd reveal it to your prophets first, that nothing would happen with unless you revealed it first, Lord. And I pray if there's anything out there that the people need to hear, Father, that you'd reveal it. Your book says you'll do it, and I know you will. We love you and want to see you soon, Lord. And all these things we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name alone we ask it. Amen and amen. John Spears Ministries, 3155 Louisville Street, D1, Clio, Alabama, 36017. Telephone 334-397-2333. Email joydon1953 at yahoo.com. Good job, Brother Jason. I appreciate it very much, brother. And I hope and I'm praying that you won't have them stupid headaches, brother, okay? I appreciate your prayers. It's always a privilege and a blessing. Amen, brother. I appreciate it very much you being there. And, Brother David, we'll see you tomorrow night, brother, and we'll pick up with this timeline of deception. And anybody in the chat room got any questions or anything they'd like to say, ask, do, whatever? Nothing up to this point. Okay. Brother Kevin, good job, brother. Appreciate it very much. That That was a good point you brought up a while ago, too. It just seems like, I don't know. It's just hard to say. <laughs> yeah, sometimes Enjoy the I, program, though. Sometimes it's hard for to get the thoughts centered around to put them in words. I have that problem all the time, brother. I know you have some of you folks probably saying, that's true. No, that's true. Sometimes it's, t- it's hard to get the old mind wrapped around where you can spit it out your mouth. <laughs> well, it's uh, like, you know, they... They must have had some concept of the cross for him to say that to him. I know he meant for it to apply to us later, but at the same time, he is saying it to him right then. You know what I mean? So I wonder if they did have some concept of it. Brother, they, they, that, that, that's what I mean, I, was... I know they were crucifying people, but still, to say it like that, you know what I mean? It just... Brother, they didn't even understand when he flat told. That's what I couldn't... I, I... He told them what was going to happen. They didn't even understand that. Why would they understand the cross? Well, it seems like it was possible to understand the other part, even though they didn't. No, their eyes were closed. That that just like that, just like the other folks was out. Because later on, and we'll see this, we'll keep on studying. Their eyes are opened, and the spirit starts revealing all kind of stuff. Then they don't have those questions anymore. That's just some, that's just just something that happens. <laughs> Yeah, amen. All right, folks, I appreciate you being here tonight, like I said earlier, and I would appreciate you being here tomorrow night. We'll have a good time, Lord willing, tomorrow night, and we'll learn some new things. 
And if you folks have anything to add into the program, especially on this timeline of deception, you see a direction you would like it to go, all you have to do is let me know, and we will pick it up from there. Anyway, Lord willing, see you tomorrow night. God bless. Good night, Brother Jason, Brother Kevin. Good night, Brother. Good night, all you guys. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.